0: Does sharing the love of Christ with Muslims seem intimidating to you? A young woman named Selena says you can build bridges with Muslims. It looks something like this.
1: Go visit them. Get to know them. Invite them to your events, church events. Uh, Invite their kids. Build community. If you notice that their English is not too good, offer tutoring services. It's one of the easiest ways to kind of be able to share with them.
0: Welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and uh, we have a special guest today. We're going to be speaking with Selena. Selena is the daughter of a pastor from Lebanon. So she grew up uh, in the home of a pastor in a Muslim country. We're going to talk about that. She is also living right now in America and working among Muslims here in America. So we're going to talk about that as well. Selena, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's always just an honor and a pleasure to share.
0: I think we see the Middle East on the news, and we think nothing but bad is going on in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Those who are from there and those who have the privilege of visiting there, they see, wait a minute, there's actually some good news there. God is mm-hmm. really doing some amazing things. Can you share a little bit of the good news that might surprise our American Christian listeners?
1: hmm Because of the war, because of the crisis in Syria, we have had a huge influx of refugees, Syrian refugees into Lebanon. About 1.2 million actually are in Lebanon. And uh, some people would look at this situation and say, this is terrible. Like These people are being dispersed from their home countries. Um, it's not ideal, it's they're suffering. But I think that it is probably one of the best things that happened to them because now they get to be in our country where we could share about the gospel freely because Syria was not a place where you could just go on the streets and share. Lebanon is. And so getting them there, that was that was a God thing. He definitely placed them there for a good reason.
0: Let's talk about how many people were in Lebanon before the refugees started coming. Because you said mm-hmm. 1.2 million refugees. Mm-hmm. How many Lebanese people are there?
1: There's about 4 million,
0: So roughly. If you go to Lebanon today, one out of every five people there is a refugee.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. So I mean
0: if if we think about that from an American context with 300 million people, 25% of 300 million would be yes. something like 75 million people suddenly show up in America and they need food to eat and they need jobs mm-hmm. and they need places to stay. That's what Lebanon has gone through over the last 4 or 5 years. Did the church always respond well? Did did the Christians as a whole say, "Wow, this is great. We've got this great opportunity to mm-hmm. minister." Or was there some, wait a minute, well, what are we going to do with all these people? Mm-hmm. Or even, you know, like some Americans see, well, wait, Muslims are coming here. This is a bad mm-hmm. thing. How did the church respond to these literally hundreds of thousands of refugees coming in?
1: Well, in Lebanon, we have a problem. Our churches don't outreach. And that is a huge, huge problem, especially when we don't outreach to our own people. So when people come in, you're not going to look at it as a positive thing. Uh, it's just going to be more of a burden because there's more for you to sh- to have to share with. And so that's one thing, at least entire church, our focus is to be able to share the gospel, sharing the gospel and loving on people. It doesn't matter where you're from. We need to love you.
0: And when the refugees are coming, and I'm thinking especially mm-hmm. from Syria, what's what's their biggest need? Even like in the first few days that they're mm-hmm. there— How do they find a place to live? How do they get settled? How do they figure out even what's going on, what Mm -hmm. they're going to eat the next day?
1: Some have family there that have been there for a long time, or they even have Lebanese people that they know. So they'll ask to stay with them, uh, seek refuge there. There are Syrian camps. uh, However, they're not in very good shape. It's basically like a tin shack kind of a thing, tent. They need jobs, but first they need housing and they need food and they need water. I know a lot of them just like we see them on the streets, no place, cardboard boxes on the ground. You know, there's no food, no water. They start to starve. Like we we see that. That's wow. their main need.
0: So just complete desperation. I mean, you come mm-hmm. with nothing and you have to start from scratch and you yep. starts with what am I going to drink? What am I going to eat? Mm-hmm. How am I going to get a roof over my head? Uh, just the very basics. What does persecution look like in Lebanon? F- among, I mean, you mentioned it's mm-hmm. a it's a free country. It's a place where you can share the gospel, mm-hmm. but also I know there are radical Muslims there that mm-hmm. don't want the gospel to grow. What is the situation as far as persecution there?
1: Uh, it always also depends where you live. Uh, depending on where you live because lebanon is very like segregated there's the north is mainly christian and sunni and then the south is all muslim uh shiite and so um it just depends where you live i mean we have freedom so that's a good thing we get to share freely but also sometimes that freedom is abused like in our center in tripoli just recently we had a problem where they shut it down they kicked the lady out and they shut it down and um, it was the secret service that was so secret that we don't even know who they are. So <laughs> they shut it down. And we, we even wanted—we sued them. So However, this is somebody
0: coming from the government yeah, that says, you somebody, can't have yeah. this here. You we can't operate We just didn't here.
1: know who it was. So like we literally sued some, the unknown <laughs> to try to find out who it is. Now John they're Deau. they've op- they're opening up an investigation. And one of our pastors is actually testifying so that we could kind of reclaim our— the center so that we could help people. And we don't stop our work. We move it to somewhere else.
0: So in that situation, did they say why they were closing it down? Because there was... No. They didn't say? Nothing. Just
1: They just took the hard drive, bullied the lady that was working there for us, and Locked the the door. Locked it up and they even put their own lock so we don't have the keys.
0: Oh, wow. We can't open it. Is there a point at which you're ministering to Muslims that you kind of draw that kind of attention from the government? Is it, I mean, you mentioned it's segregated. So as long as you're working among Christians, I assume the government kind of says, you know, that's fine. Do whatever you want among Mm -hmm. Christians. Okay. Now you're ministering to Muslims. Now you're encouraging muslims to follow mm-hmm. jesus Uh oh now you've now you're mm-hmm. making trouble
1: even even some of the christians will persecute you because they're not used to sharing the word like they're not used to that they're not used to sharing the gospel going outside helping people like from what i've experienced personally they're not used to that mm-hmm. they've just been ki- keeping together because they're afraid of what's outside that they don't share
0: and, and they see i i think commonly in the middle east they see religion as an identity it's not necessarily mm-hmm. you True. have a relationship with christ oh yeah you were born in a christian mm-hmm. family i was born in a muslim mm-hmm. family it's expected it's right. an expectation
1: okay. obligation it's so when
0: you start real leading people to christ you're breaking expectations yes you're upsetting the kind of social order mm-hmm. and that leads to challenges
1: yes it always leads to challenges when you speak truth and you live it out you're not just speaking it cuz a lot of people will say oh it's just talk but then once you start to walk the walk then that's when they're not okay with it like right. you could you could speak all you want to as long as you don't act on it
0: i know that uh, right now you are working among refugees here in the united states mm-hmm. primarily muslim refugees coming from the middle east coming from other nations other muslim nations what are their biggest needs we talked about you know when you arrive in lebanon from syria and you have nothing how is it when you arrive in America coming from Sudan or coming mm-hmm. from another Muslim nation?
1: It's the same thing. They still have nothing. They have a little bit more of an advantage because there's an organization that's taking care of housing them, that's taking care of providing their food with food stamps and just taking care of their legal paperwork. However, as mentioned, the organizations don't love Jesus, and so they probably they don't do their job well all the time. And so it's an opportunity for us to share with them.
0: And that's kind of where I want to go with this is what's the role of the church? Because I think among American Christians, there are different attitudes. There are Mm -hmm. some who are like, man, this is great. Muslims are coming here. We don't have to go to the Middle East to Mm -hmm. reach them. They're coming to our front door. This is awesome. There are some who are like, we're letting Muslims into our country. They're Mm -hmm. eventually going to attack us. This is terrible how do you see the church responding where you're at among Muslim refugees? And maybe you have examples of the church doing it right and the church not doing it so well. Mm-hmm. Share kind of some of the things you've seen in your work among refugees, again, right here in the United States.
1: Mm-hmm. In Dearborn, the churches are very for the work. They know that there's a field and it's it came to them and they're working it. Even my pastor that I'm working with in Dearborn, uh, one of his ultimate goals is for even the church to reflect the demographic of the work that we're doing. They are responding very well. They are being very open. They want them to know about Christ. They are sharing with them. They are meeting the need. They're picking up where the organizations are leaving off. Um, they're welcoming them. And that's that was my experience with them in Dearborn. I have had some churches tell me, you know, They're refugees, and uh, we don't want them in our country. We're scared. We don't know who they could be. But let me encourage you that Jesus didn't go to the Samaritan woman and tell her, "You're, you're a Samaritan, like, leave. I don't want to talk to you. You're also a woman. And you're coming out in the middle of the day, which tells me something that's really bad about you. No, he didn't do that. He told her, I want to give you this everlasting, refreshing, eternal water. And I want you to experience that, and and that's that's our job is to reflect Christ, and so we we want to do that.
0: How do you think that we change hearts in America, and I think particularly in the church in America about Muslim refugees? What mm-hmm. what needs to happen for us to grasp that sort of Christ like response of Hey, mm-hmm. we have something you need, mm-hmm. and Christ died for you. We want to tell you about it.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the change ultimately comes from from God, but it also comes from the word of God. The more you study about who Jesus was, his ministry, uh his apostles later, what they did, even in the Old Testament and the way he dealt with other people, groups, uh, not just his chosen people, it's it's supposed to be convicting. You you'll you'll change if if God is working in your life, you will it will definitely be something that you would want to respond to the same way Christ did.
0: And how how are Muslim refugees responding when they, when they encounter Christians who are doing that, who are reaching out? Are they offended? Are they argumentative? Or how are they responding? When the church, I would say, does it right, mm-hmm. when they come alongside them and say, hey, we want to help you, we want mm-hmm. to serve you, how did the Muslims respond to that?
1: Mostly they're shocked because, you know, you come to the States, it's a more individualistic culture. Back home in Lebanon or in the Middle East, if somebody has a need, you, you pick it up, you know, you help your neighbor. You, If somebody asks you to be housed that night because there's nowhere to stay, proper Arabic hospitality is to house them. And so they come here and it's different. They don't know the language. They can't speak it. And So when we show them that, we show them that love, their response is that they're amazed. They marvel at it. They're shocked. Um, And then those who aren't shocked later become shocked because we keep going. They always expect people to just stop, just help them until they're up on their feet and then just leave. But we don't want to just do that. We want to be able to build relationship with them and show them that love.
0: I know America is perceived overseas as a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. Is their perception pretty much that everyone they meet in America is a Christian? Yes. So
1: Everything that's Western is Christian, is
0: Christian. to them. So if you're nice to them, it's a Christian being nice to them. Mm-hmm. If you're mean and hostile, it's a Christian being mean and mm-hmm. hostile. Even if that person doesn't have a relationship with Christ, doesn't wouldn't yes. even claim themselves to be a Christian, mm-hmm. but in the minds of these refugees— They're American, they're Christian.
1: Yes, that is true.
0: So a good reminder for all of our listeners, when you encounter Muslim refugees, you are reflecting Jesus, whether you want to or not. Mm -hmm. In their mind, you are a Christian. You're reflecting uh, Jesus Christ and and Christianity. What are are some of their preconceived ideas about America when they arrive here? You mentioned, you know, it's Western, it's Christian. But also, I'm sure they see the movies, they see some of the yeah. other things, which they then think are Western and Christian. What do they expect when they come to America?
1: They are afraid. I mean, from what I've, I've spoken to some of them, and honestly, where some of the organizations have resettled them, like they've seen drug deals. Happen right there, they've seen uh, prostitution happen right in front of them, and so that—that's what they think is Christian. They think when you're a Christian, it's you get a white card, a white pass. You know, you you get a pass on all of the sins, and then you go and you repent later. That's that's how they wow. end up getting. Like, their view becomes that because everything that's Western is Christian. Homosexuality is Christian. All of it is Christian. Transgender is Christian. Lying, stealing, that's Christian. Espionage, it's like Christian. you say,
0: you get a pass and yeah. then you just go back later and then And then later, and, I can
1: go and pray. And,
0: and it's all taken care of. Mm-hmm. That's not a good understanding of Christianity, and it's not a good reflection on our country. Is there persecution for Muslims in America— who come to follow Jesus Christ?
1: Yes, there is. Uh, in Dearborn, it, because it's more Arab than it is actually American, they hold on to some of their traditions. Once again, it's not as bad just because you have laws. You have certain laws that protect you, uh, but it's still there. The Recently, we also had a young girl. She's 17 years old. She got saved. And, uh, you know, the dad slapped her around a little bit. I mean, we were in the house. She went inside and she was wanting to share with them the fact that she had received Christ. And she just got slapped around a little bit and we, we couldn't do anything. He left no bruises. She couldn't call 911, you know.
0: Could you hear what he was saying to her? In, in that um, instance? What, yeah, but was he the wasn't issue... saying much. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> he, was, he was basically like slapping her and saying, you know, like recant, you know, like you're, you're a Muslim. You're it, a Muslim.
0: Is the issue religion or is the issue you're shaming our family or is it both? <laughs>
1: it's a little bit of both. I mean, even like one of the things that he said to her was, you can become a Christian after I die. Interesting. And so, just wait till I die, so that I could go to heaven, and then you can
0: you can you can whatever do you whatever want you after want. After I'm dead.
1: Little does he know <laughs> what's waiting on the other wow. side. Wow! So
0: so it was a shame thing. He was ashamed yeah. that his daughter had and, become a Christian, and
1: also I think a little bit of it was pride. You know, like we just totally inter- intervened in his daughter's life and changed everything she grew up learning.
0: But I think what a a good reminder for our listeners. Just because you live in America, if you come from a Muslim background, you're not immune to persecution. And No, you're not. I mean, in that sense, in that case, it's a dad, it's a family member. Mm -hmm. That's often the case Mm -hmm. in Lebanon. That's often the case in other Muslim nations. The first line of persecution is your own family. True. How do you prepare people as you minister to them to stand up under that kind of persecution?
1: We tell them up front, we don't sugarcoat it. Like when when we share the gospel, we tell them, this is what happened to Jesus, be prepared. So much more is going to happen to you. I mean, if your master experienced that much, how much more as a servant to the master? Like you are going to experience so much more. But we tell them to take courage, have faith, study the word. Mm-hmm. The word is refreshing in moments when you are being persecuted. Uh, just recently, I was talking to the girl that I was uh, just talked about, and she was she was struggling because you know, like you go through the the honeymoon phase, and then you got to set into your relationship with Jesus. And she'd never experienced that, and to her, she was lacking. And that was uh, reflecting in in the way she was showing Christ to her family, and I had to remind her, you know, it's it's daily being in the Word that really ultimately matures you in the faith to be strong enough to overcome any persecution you face.
0: She's allowed to stay with the family? or did the Yes. F- but they are she, kind yes. of still trying to pressure her yeah, to stay. They're just
1: really, really pressuring her. She can't come to church. Like, she can't. She can't do that. And so, like, I even have to be in fellowship with her because there's she can't come and be in fellowship with believers, which is when you're a baby Christian. Like this is is huge. Need that. Yeah. Um. And so I call her up and I talk to her once a week, and we meet up once a week, and we study. And she's wanting to get baptized in February, so we're going through some baptismal scripture.
0: Now, what will that do at that point? Once she's baptized, will that make things worse as far as her family goes?
1: If her family asks her and she answers, then possibly. It might get worse. We are not sure. We always hope for the best, but also we know who's in control. We know that God, He's sovereign, and we know for sure uh, that the ultimate aim of her being baptized is to eventually share with her parents so that her parents are ministered to and they accept the gospel. That's, That's the aim, and even she knows it. I mean, in Michigan, you can run away when you're 17 years old, and you'll be fine. But we we don't want her to do that. We want her to stay and to minister to her family. So we we tell her that, that now that you are saved, it's your job now to go and share with your family. And you want them to have the same experience that you did. Wow. It's a good motivator.
0: It is a good motivator. If you were talking to an American church congregation Mm -hmm. that wanted to do something for refugees, that wanted to Mm start— trying to reach out to refugees, especially Muslim refugees. Mm-hmm. How would you advise them or, or what kind of what direction would you point them in to get started in that kind of ministry and, and in reaching out to that segment of, of people?
1: Just individuals or the church?
0: The church as a whole, but it, we'll get mm-hmm. to individuals second. But okay. but I'm thinking the church as a whole, If if there's Muslims in their community and they want to reach out, how do they kind of Get open it the door? Started. Yeah.
1: Uh, visit them. Go visit them. Get to know them. Visit them. Invite them to your events, church events. Uh, invite their kids. Build community. Uh, One of their needs is English. If you notice that their English is not too good, offer tutoring services. It's one of the easiest ways to kind of be able to share with them. Is, but building relationship with them is important. Not so much to where it takes over and you don't share anymore, but still, um, especially they they need to know that they are loved.
0: Getting to know them, understanding what their needs are, and Mm -hmm. then meeting those needs. Mm -hmm. If it's English lessons, great. Mm -hmm. If it's, you know, somebody to drive them to the store, great. Um, But you won't know those needs until you, like you say, Mm -hmm. go visit and say hi. Take
1: the first step. You always initiate. uh, And it, it goes a long way. When they see that little ounce of love of just coming and saying hi and not being like every other person around you, it goes a long way.
0: And in an American culture, we would never just show up on somebody's doorstep and knock on their mm-hmm. door and say hi. Help us understand that in the Middle Eastern culture, that's that's actually a good thing. <laughs> it's yes.
1: Just... Yeah. And in the Middle East, like I noticed here, when you cross somebody, you're walking on the sidewalk and you cross somebody you know, you'll say, hey, how are you? But you're not expecting them to say that you're not fine. You expect them to say, fine, and then keep walking. But in our culture, you stand there and you talk to them for about 30, 45 minutes, just uh, seeing what life's like with them and catching up and, and doing all of that. So it was a little bit weird for me to do. Uh, when I came here, everybody was just always fine. So that's kind of how it goes.
0: So I think that the advice you've given would apply to individuals as well. If mm-hmm. If an individual wants to reach out, Build a relationship, mm-hmm. go, meet them, understand But also them. get
1: plugged into a church. If you're an individual, it's different. You're not doing it uh, with the local body. You need to do it with, with the local church body. That is huge because then after the believer gets saved, they have a family. Mm-hmm. They have family members that they get to have their backs and, and prayer and whatever needs that they would need.
0: We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Selena. Her dad is a pastor in Lebanon. Uh, She is now working among Muslim refugees in Michigan, uh, and she's sharing with us a little bit about that ministry and about the opportunities that are there are there some some stories that you can share? And I know we mm-hmm. don't want to violate anyone's privacy, but mm-hmm. some stories that you can share, you shared about the young lady that has come to Christ. Mm-hmm. Are there other things that God is doing among the refugees in Michigan uh, that you can share with us?
1: He is moving greatly among the refugees. I know two girls, they were refugees, but they they've been here for quite a while, so they're a little bit older now. Uh, they came to Christ when they were younger than this girl was. And they were from a Muslim background. And actually their family or certain family members wanted to literally like drug them and then take them to the Middle East and then kill them there. But they couldn't do that because they'd become citizens by then. Uh They'd create more problems by doing that.
0: When we get to the point that Mm -hmm. we're talking about faith, what do we need to know in order to have that conversation well (laughs) Mm -hmm. when faith because I you know my understanding is Muslims are very comfortable talking about their faith Mm -hmm. it's not like a big hush-hush subject so it will come up as we're getting to know them things will come up about faith and about religion how do we handle those conversations well to guide them towards ultimately we want to share the gospel with them
1: it's always good to be listening to the person that's talking you know, always listen to them Listen, because the opportunity may arise by you finding out that they're struggling through something or that they disagree with something that they their own religion believes and so in order to actually find that out you need to sit down and just listen to them have them talk and share their story uh, ask them questions if they get shy ask more questions and then know the word because that's where the answers come from mm-hmm uh you can't be answering from your opinions you got to answer from the bible the word the given word
0: that will happen naturally I, I mean they if you'll listen they will share hey i'm really struggling with this or i'm really having trouble with this or my family's going through this hard time because of this mm-hmm.
1: if it takes sometimes it takes time it just depends who you're dealing with sometimes it takes visiting multiple times uh, other times if the person is really in need They'll tell you.
0: They'll tell you. I want to encourage our listeners here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, uh, if there are Muslims in your community, if you have Muslim co-workers or fellow students, reach out to them, uh, strike up that conversation, invite them for tea, invite them for coffee. Uh, As Selena has shared with us, when you say, how are you, they will tell you, they will answer. So don't, don't be afraid to just take that first step and strike up that conversation before I let you go, let me ask you that question. As Particularly as we're thinking about Lebanon, how should we be in prayer for that nation right now?
1: I would primarily pray for the churches. They need to be revived really bad, just in, in how they receive people. In showing the love of Christ, being bold about their faith, also pray for the hearts of the refugees, the hearts of the people, that they would be open to what they're listening to and to what God has to offer for them and just who he is to them.
0: And let me ask you, we, we don't often talk about praying for America. How can we pray for Muslim ministry in America? And I'm thinking particularly of Dearborn, Michigan. How can we pray for what God is doing there?
1: Always pray for willing and servant hearts. Just for yourself as a person, but also for others to cultivate that, having a servant heart, being willing to sacrifice for for another person, uh, regardless of where they're from. And also pray for the refugees as they come, that they would be discerning to know what is Christian and what is not.
0: Amen. Selena, thank you for being our guest. It's been great talking with you. If you'd like to hear this interview again, you can log on to vomradio.net You can hear not only our conversation with Selena, but all of our episodes of VOM Radio. You can also subscribe there to the VOM Radio podcast. I would encourage you to do that as well. You can give us some feedback, send us an email, call us on the phone, uh, let us know what you thought of our conversation. Let us know how you're reaching out to Muslims in your community, what you're doing or what your church is doing to be an open door to share the gospel with Muslims where you live. A man in India tasted the good news about Jesus Christ, and his natural reaction was to prepare to share the gospel with as many people as he could. A VOM worker named Aaron shares this man's story. So 67 years old, he's been a Hindu his whole life, and then the next thought in his mind was, I need to get trained so that I can tell others this message. So at 67, he signs up for a one-year course In church planting. Come back next week to hear more about that right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.